Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Seven Deadly Sinners early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Wondery, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Wondery to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Wondery. They're from God. They're directly from God. How? What do you think happens? I mean, you 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 communicate with dead people, right? Yeah, I do. Sure, I do. You okay? Yeah. Well, my ear thing is goofy, but that's uh, all right. We'll fix it. <laughs> you communicate with dead people. Yes. You do psychic readings. Yes. You work with the police on yes. murders and yes. It's right here. It's right on top of us. We just can't see it. See, Larry, we're ghosts in their world. We're not the real world. It's like Plato said, we're nothing but the shadows on the wall of the cave. Welcome back to another episode of Seven Deadly Sinners. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've read some really touching reviews lately that have made me actually tear up. So I just wanted to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You really know how to get a girl where it means so much. And uh, I love you. Today's case was suggested by a listener, who you'll hear from in a bit, and a case I had no idea would infuriate me so much. The scam isn't just monetary. It's absolutely of the heart, meddling in the worst moments of people's lives. This self-proclaimed psychic Sylvia Brown, a fixture on 90s TV who I remember but didn't pay much attention to because I was a kid, I mean, I was aware of her, but I was absolutely shocked when I began researching her for this episode. She wasn't just a caricature of a person I heard in the background of the TV. She, as far as I've come to find out, was a calculating con. Sources for this case are an All That's Interesting article, Anderson Cooper 360, Yahoo News, Wikipedia, a short documentary from Grunge, an ABC News article, an extensive article from Skeptical Inquirer, and Newsweek. So who was Sylvia Brown? 
Sylvia Brown was born Sylvia Celeste Shoemaker on October 19, 1936, in Kansas City, Missouri, to parents William Lee and Celeste Shoemaker. Her father held several different jobs, working at times in mail delivery, jewelry sales, and as a vice president of a major freight line. Sylvia was raised mostly as Catholic and was said to have an Episcopalian mother, a Lutheran maternal grandmother, Jewish father, and relatives from all these faiths. From the tender age of five, Sylvia claimed to have psychic abilities, which were backed up by her grandmother, who said this was a family gift. Sylvia claimed she had predicted the death of her great-grandmothers. Really not a hard bet as they are great-grandparents, Sylvia, but allegedly they died two weeks after the five-year-old was laying in bed one night and had this vision. She confided in her grandmother about this, and her grandmother claimed that she was waiting for this day to come for Sylvia, as this was a generational trait dating back to the 1700s, with her great, 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 I don't know how many greats there are, grandmother, and it was something that ran in their family. Allegedly, her great uncle was also a psychic medium and was, quote, rabid about UFOs, end quote. Apparently, the whole family had a certain connection to the spirit world, and the grandmother encouraged Sylvia to tap into this. Soon after, Sylvia began feeling a presence around her at a young age. She claimed later this was her spirit guide named Francine, who told her that she was sent from God to protect Sylvia and help her tap into these abilities. Sylvia claimed that she recognized this but didn't really use these vibrational frequencies or abilities until years later when she was in her first marriage to Gary Dufresne, whom she married in 1959 and later divorced in 1971. While married to Gary, she decided to start doing tarot readings at a dinner party with her friends, and then eventually to paying customers. Prior to that, she spent close to two decades as a Catholic school teacher, a hard left turn from Catholic school teacher to psychic medium. Perhaps unsatisfied with just being a medium, Sylvia then decided it was time to start her own religion, which she founded in 1986, called Society of the Novus Spiritus. The Society of Novus Spiritus promoted reincarnation and a belief in a dual mother and father God, alongside more than 20 other tenets, including, quote, We believe that our Lord was crucified but did not die on the cross, and he went to live out his life in France with his mother and Mary Magdalene, his wife, end quote. Why did you just throw in that they had a cheese-making business too, Sylvia? And maybe they watched Gossip Girl until the end of days. Obviously, the Paris episodes. Sylvia's success took off, and she hired a business manager and formed the Sylvia Brown Corporation and Sylvia Brown Enterprises. In a 2010 interview, Brown's business manager said that her businesses earned $3 million a year. She also started holding seminars at the time that attracted hundreds of people in her small California town, where her and her first husband were living. The same town and same seminars my guest today attended as a child and was so freaked out she had to be escorted out by her mother. But we will hear more from her in a moment. After having two sons with her first husband, Sylvia and Gary divorced. And Gary would later speak to the media stating this about his ex-wife. In a 2007 interview with Lancaster, cited by watchdog site Quackwatch, Brown's first husband, Gary, decades after their divorce, discussed her, quote, fraudulent career and claimed Brown knowingly lied to people, saying, quote, 
I said to her as we were washing dishes and she was wiping or whatever, I said, Sylvia, how can you tell people this kind of stuff? You know it's not true. And some of these people actually are probably going to believe that. Gary claimed to have said that after a tarot card reading at a party. Quote, I won't put it exactly the word that she said, but she said, screw them. Anybody who believes this stuff ought to be taken. End quote. But Sylvia was not going to lay down and die after the divorce with Gary. Her career skyrocketed and she got remarried within the year to Kenzel Brown. And that name stuck even though she would later divorce him. She continued to use his surname for the rest of her career. She eventually conned two more men into marrying her, but the con didn't stop there. In 1988, while still married to Kenzel, she convinced a couple to invest $20,000 in a gold mine that Kenzel was currently managing, stating her psychic abilities told her the mine was going to make them all a ton of money. One month later, the mine went bankrupt, and the couple filed a complaint with the Department of Corporations, and Sylvia and Kenzel were indicted and charged with investment fraud and grand theft. It was proved the money was never used for the mine, but instead transferred into a bank account and used for Sylvia's psychic research. They pleaded no contest and were forced to pay restitution. Kenzel was given a four-month jail sentence, Sylvia 200 hours of community service. Needless to say, their marriage didn't last and they were divorced shortly after. Sylvia also gave investment tips to followers, for a fee of course. Now, we've talked about this before on other episodes of the podcast, and I've referenced the book The Confidence Game by Maria Konnikova, who did extensive research and wrote a brilliant book about the art of the con. But if you'll remember this quote, quote, the confidence game, the con, is an exercise in soft skills, trust, sympathy, persuasion. The true con artist doesn't force us to do anything. He makes us complicit in our own undoing. He doesn't steal, we give. He doesn't have to threaten us, we supply the story ourselves. We believe because we want to, not because anyone made us. And so we offer up whatever they want. Money, reputation, trust, fame, legitimacy, support. And we don't realize what is happening until it's too late. Our need to believe to embrace things that explain our world is as pervasive as it is strong. Given the right cues, we're willing to go along with just about anything and put our confidence in just about anyone, end quote. Also, according to the Confidence Game book, people are more likely to be duped more than once because they don't want to admit that they were defrauded or that they were had. This can contribute to con artists not ever being caught or prosecuted in the court of law because people are too embarrassed to come forward and say, I believed in this person and they totally scammed me. This, including proving mysticism in court, is nearly impossible, which is why these people get away with it for so long and so many times over and over again. Like I said, because people don't want to admit that they've been fooled. And it's kind of hard just to be in court and be like, I don't believe the thing that that person said and we're going to throw you in jail. In addition, the victims paid sometimes upwards of $850 for a Sylvia Brown reading or $300 for someone else, whatever. Now, this would be a devastating life event to be conned out of, say, your life savings. 
But not only did the subject of our case today con people out of insane amounts of money, she stole their hope, their faith, that maybe, just maybe, their little girl or little boy was still alive, or maybe that they had run off to become a junkie or somehow ended up randomly in water, all while messing with the search for their child or loved one by believing these false predictions of a woman all too confident in her con, so much so that she once said to an ex-husband, allegedly, if these people are willing to believe they deserve to be taken. This is the story of the late Sylvia Brown, celebrity psychic, founder of a bullshit religion, caricature parading around a talk show circuit for decades, and a complete fraud whose predictions were right, well, almost never. Uh, Sylvia, I don't know how she died. Please, if you can, how did she die? She was shot. A smug woman whose gluttony for superiority made her shamelessly unapologetic for her false claims and predictions. A glutton for the need to be right and know something that no one else knew. A glutton for claiming to have a link to the other side. A glutton for the desire to swindle people and pad her pocketbook with millions made from knowing that human beings don't like to exist in a state of uncertainty or ambiguity. When you're in a state of unknowing fear, uncertainty, something doesn't make sense, you want to supply the missing link. Think about even something as comparatively minor as being ghosted by a date. You still have to know what went wrong. Then think about having your child go missing. What kind of monster would knowingly capitalize on that heartbreaking uncertainty? Well, Sylvia Brown proved time and time again that she was a true confidence artist who was only too happy to comply and fill in that missing link, no matter how ridiculous and off-base it was. Take this example from a woman who lost her boyfriend tragically. Here's a clip from the Montel Williams show, one of Sylvia's favorite stomping grounds. I lost my boyfriend tragically um, a few years ago. They never found him. And I've had such a hard time since every day. The reason why you didn't find him is because he's in water. And find him in water, it's like the girl that's missing in Aruba. You can't find somebody. Well, it was September 11th. There was no, he was a fireman, but... There's well, no, no, see, I keep seeing him in water. Is there any way he could have drowned in water some way? They never found a piece of him. Nothing. From 9-11. Because he, he says he couldn't breathe and he was filled with water. Hmm. Well, if they were trying to put the fire out, Montel. They could have, you know, I, yeah. No, they won't find him, but honey, that's okay, because it doesn't matter if they find him or not, he's still over there. Amazingly, in that clip, Sylvia doesn't back down. The con is so well-crafted in her, she improvises her way through to the bitter end. And Sylvia loves to wrongly predict people are in water. She's like, it's water. Fire. No, it was Earth. Earth, wind, and fire. That was who killed... He, he was killed by the band Earth, wind, and fire. She doesn't say that, obviously, but it's... What's the freaking difference? It is just as ridiculous. Just like, she will interrupt people and just be like, he's in water. 
And the woman, obviously, you heard, was like, he was a firefighter in 9-11. She's like, well, you know, water. They, they, there's, they use hoses uh, in, in fires and water. I... And eventually, the woman in the audience just sits down in defeat, clearly aware now that Sylvia is nothing more than a swill merchant. And this is absolutely tragic, and I feel for that woman. But what happens when Miss Sylvia Brown takes it a step further and gets involved in law enforcement investigations and tells parents that their child is dead when they are not or alive when they are dead and then incriminates the absolutely wrong person? What happens when the FBI even hires Sylvia to intervene? Well, you get some pretty horrific fuck-ups that derailed investigations, kept children captive for longer than they would have been had Sylvia not gotten involved, or broke poor parents' hearts by telling them something that was completely false about their child. Literally, some parents actually died from broken hearts, never knowing the truth of what happened to their precious babies. Let's run through a few of these heart-wrenching knowing fails by Ms. Brown. Monstrous wrong predictions, which have been well-documented by anyone from Anderson Cooper to a 2010 Skeptical Inquirer expose, which thoroughly researched and documented 115 missing persons and murder cases where Sylvia Brown had made predictions, all the predictions that she got tragically wrong. Quote, Among the many harmful things that Brown does is convinced the loved ones of victims of untimely deaths that foul play was involved and conversely convinced the loved ones of murder victims that no foul play was involved, the magazine concluded. Quote, it is hard to understand how someone with such a dismal record continually tops bestseller lists and maintains a following, end quote. Yep, you heard me correctly. Sylvia Brown wrote over 40 books many of which landed on the New York Times bestseller list. And Kim Kardashian, even recently, put her back in the public consciousness when in 2020 she tweeted perhaps the only close-to-accurate prediction Sylvia ever had. The repeatedly debunked psychic has once again captured the public imagination after Kim Kardashian West tweeted to her 64 million followers a passage from a 2008 book that partially comports with the outbreak of the novel coronavirus COVID-19. On Thursday, Kardashian shared a photo of a passage from End of Days, Predictions and Prophecies about the End of the World by Sylvia Brown, written with frequent collaborator Lindsay Harrison, which reads, quote, In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived, attack again 10 years later, and then disappear completely, end quote. We'll see what happens in 10 years, Sylvia. But some notable and laughable names of her other books are, in 2006, If You Could See What I See, The Tenets of Novus Spiritus. Arrogance at its best. If you could see what I can't, I mean, can see, but you're such a peasant, so you can't. So buy my book and maybe I'll swindle you out of $20 and your precious time by talking down to you. Okay. And then there's in 2006, Insight, case files from the psychic world. Sylvia, these better not be cases you falsely predicted the outcome of because I didn't look any further than the title, so I'll let this one slide. 
But how about this one? The mystical life of Jesus. You see, I know Jesus is what she's saying. You know, we're close personal friends. So let me just override that whole Bible, which is the most popular selling book of all time, and let you know how I know him better. And then in 2001, the nature of good and evil. Sylvia, shh, 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 shh. this is just embarrassing. We should have hired you a PR person. A lot of people think you're evil for capitalizing on people's pain incorrectly at that. So let's maybe back off and take a nap on this one. Okay? Just be a good crazy psychic. However, there are some I could see myself buying. For example, I'm so in love with my new puppy, Blue, that if anything ever happened to him, I would want the comfort that I could easily fall for the con of this woman who so flagrantly is off, but I could see myself being blinded by the need for comfort with this book. In 2009, she wrote a book called All Pets Go to Heaven, The Spiritual Lives of the Animals We Love. Like, if I was sad, I might want to buy that. But Sylvia was not to be stopped. She even went on book tours and seminar tours, one in which a child version of one of our listeners attended as a kid, and like I said, freaked out so much at the event that her mom had to usher her out. In fact, we're going to hear from Lizzie, who grew up near Sylvia, attended this seminar, and reached out to me to give the idea to cover her, and also is here to give some first-hand insight into growing up near one of the biggest frauds of all time. So without further ado, my conversation with Lizzie. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, I'm here. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I won't take too much of your time, by the way. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this by saying I was very curious because it, it was weird. It was like the teal swan episode. I... I watched episode one on Hulu and it like triggered something in me. Really? And I'm like, why, why is this triggering me? And I started thinking back and that's, that's when I remembered this incident where I went to with my mom to this Sylvia Brown thing. What about, well, okay. So let's actually, let's just start from the beginning. So tell me a little bit about like your background. Um, I grew up in a, a very small town um, near San Jose called Saratoga. And it really doesn't have any claim to fame. It kind of runs under the radar. And it's it's very suburban, very old money. 
Um, there was also a lot of tech money. So it's like one of those towns where just a little tract home is going to run at least a million dollars. So it's oh, wow. kind of, yeah, it's it's one of those places. <laughs> so my parents had split up when I was three. And my mom went through the suburban, like, trying to find herself. They had me really late, so I think she was she was at least 50 when this was happening. Okay. Um, so I want to say, yeah, she was going through her suburban hippie mom phase where she's like, we're going to eat carob and all natural peanut butter. And I was this kid who was like, this is gross. <laughs> I don't like carob and I don't like all natural peanut butter. Can we just quit <laughs> this mom? So I think she got in, she wanted to go see Sylvia Brown because it fit into the persona she was trying to um, cultivate. I, it's kind of, my mom and I were never very close. So I just, I was one of those kids who's like, I'm just going to keep my head down, do what I'm supposed to do until I can leave home and go explore the wider world. Mm-hmm. And we, one night she was like, we're going to a lecture. And I'm like, not what I want to do, but okay. So it. And how old were you? I think I was maybe nine or ten. Oh, pretty young. I was I was too young to be going to something like this, at least in in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what auditorium it was at, but I remember we we went in, we got our seats, and I was like, you know, I was fidgety, and I'm just waiting for this thing to start. I I don't even know what it's about, and this lady comes out on stage, and I couldn't. And we were far enough away that I could you couldn't really see her that well, but you could see her, but not her face or expressions. And I remember I did I I just started getting this really horrible feeling, like in the pit of my stomach, like skin crawling. And I remember I did what the one thing I was never supposed to do, and I made a scene, like screaming, crying temper tantrum seeing because all I wanted to do was get out of there how strange yeah and I, I to this maybe, day, you're, I maybe you're the psychic one and <laughs> you honestly had like I had enough intuition to be like uh this lady's bad news it, it just you know when you when you've been in a situation where you just feel your skin crawl like you're just like I don't know what's causing it mm-hmm. but yeah, I, 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 and I cried and threw a fit until my mom dragged me out of there. And she was mad because she had wanted to see her. And I, I didn't know why we were there, what this woman did. And then later when I was in school, I went to a private school. And there were two of them. There was a Catholic school and diagonally across the street was an Episcopalian school. And I went to the Episcopalian one. And one of the kids was like, oh, there's like 
a psychic lady who lives next to the Catholic school. And I was like, who? And she's like, there's this lady. She reads people's minds. And I'm like, okay, you're weird. That's not so true. Mm-hmm. And it turned out it was true. Sylvia Brown lived, or I was told she lived there, like just maybe a quarter of a mile from my school. Weird. It but surprises also- me that she would go to like a, like the way you describe your town, like a techie sort of like, like techie people don't seem like the type that would buy into that you know, type of thing, and it seems strange to me that she would choose to live in that town because I I believe she relocated there with her first husband in the research I found. Like, she's not from there. No, she's not from there. It's, you know, people, a lot of people move there so their kids can go to school in that area Um, Mm -hmm. because if you have that address, they're like, well, we live in Saratoga, so of course Stanford will take them. So, of course, Bellarmine oh, Academy will take them. You know, so it might have been for that. But, yeah, I, I can tell you it was the worst feeling that I have ever had, being in that auditorium with her. Really? And have I'm you heard weird... your mom mention her before? Like, like, and you know what your mom was trying to get out of going there and additionally did your mom like continue to like study her or anything like did she read any of her books or um my mom had always been kind of like she didn't like anything alternative so that's why I didn't know why we were there I know my parents were were around that time were finalizing their divorce so maybe my mom was there to find out that was she really going to get divorced was she not um, just it. going to a psychic, my mom wouldn't do that. But if it was like a trendy thing or a mm-hmm. trendy person, she would do that. Got it. Yeah. Did you? So, wh- how old are you? Um, I am fifty. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you would have been old enough to know, like. Um, I'm I'm I just turned 37, so we're not that far off. But like, I remember hearing like Sylvia Brown's name on like daytime talk shows, like, and I remember yeah. her face very distinctly. Like later, after you know this happened when you were nine or ten or whatever, did you hit? Did you um, realize it? Like, if or if you did hear of her on TV, did you realize it was the same person that scared you? I did. Yeah, and any time she came on TV, I turn it off, and really? people would be be like, "Oh, doesn't she live in your town?" And I'm like, "I I don't know, and I don't want to know." Yeah. Do you and, know anything about all of her false predictions? Like, really? I mean, I, I was saying out loud when I was like researching this, like to my husband, I was like, "She's a fucking monster." I was like, "She's an actual monster," and. Obviously, I cover a lot of monsters, but I couldn't believe how awful she was. I I don't because I I purposely did not look at anything about her. Once we, I'm like, I don't want to know. And then we started talking, and I'm like, you know what? I just I need to not. I need to just what I know, and not have anything color that. I I would assume 
I mean, I heard that she would do predictions for the police and stuff, but yeah, you know, but she would uh, literally like there's one instance where, and she's very smug about it. Well, there's like several really terrible ones, but like one that's kind of funny, I won't tell you the real terrible ones. Um, but she's on Montel Williams and this woman, you know, like stands up from the audience and is like, like, you know, they get a microphone, they get asked a question, and she's like, my boyfriend died a couple of years ago, like, and I've just had a really hard time ever since. It was so difficult, and all of a sudden, Sylvia Brown just goes, he died in water. And the woman goes, well, n- no, he died on 9-11. He was a firefighter. And mm-hmm. Sylvia, oh, like, my God. Sylvia won't back down. She's literally like, but I'm seeing him in water, and he's telling me he's in water. Is it, like... And she tries to justify it, and it's just like, this woman looks so disheartened and so sad. She just sits down and is like, okay. <laughs> like, that's not even oh, that's possible. Awful. Yeah. It's, she's really bad, awful. but she did way worse than that. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I've I've known a couple people who were genuine, who I think were genuine psychics, mm-hmm. but they, you know, they had limits on what they would tell people because I was Mm -hmm. I one of them was a casual friend and we were joking one day and I'm like oh do you ever tell people when they're gonna die and he's like no yeah I have a friend that was a psychic and same thing he won't he won't say anything like that yeah he's like I won't tell him anything like that and I'm like oh Mm -hmm. he's like they you know he's like that's not something you need to know Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. So people do have limits on what they'll tell people. It's you know, and he would do psychic readings, but he charged like twenty bucks. Yeah, you said that in the message. I think she charged eight hundred and fifty dollars at like the height of her. Yep, and she was pulling in like three million a year or something to co- almost what? completely get every single prediction wrong. I mean, the. The only one she kind of got right, it seemed, is in one of her books, she said, like, uh, in t- it was, like, in 2008 or something, like, in 10 years, I forget what, what year, I'll, I have to, like, reread what I re- read, but there will be a, a worldwide um, flu pandemic type thing. So maybe she foresaw that, but that's about the only thing that she got right. She got so many, so many stories of, people who were like my child's missing and and she'd be like well she was she's still alive but she was sold into sex slavery and oh then oh my god and then oh they would god. find the body of this little child like a year later and she was dead it's like ma'am you don't know what you're talking about please stop i'm going to start crying that's awful yeah she was a really awful person that's cruel Sorry to freak you out yeah i no, mean, no, I, I mean way about that teal swan i mean I'm not surprised that she reminded you of her because Teal Swan freaked me out in the same type of way, like researching her. Of like, I mean, people have, I mean, I don't know if you know much about her, but like people have committed suicide per her like teachings and like suggestions. Yeah. I, I, I watched the documentary on Hulu, the, the documentary series, and I was, I was horrified. I was like, no, this, no, this can't, you can't say those things to human beings. And Mm -mm. yeah, but it was just the, I think 
it was what you said. It was this, the insistence. Like, she's like, no, I'm right, and everyone else is wrong. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no. And I, I actually turned off the episode, like, halfway through. I'm like, do I want to watch this? I don't think, I don't know if I want to watch this. Yeah, it's the it's the smugness about it too. Like, like you have to be such an arrogant, smug person because it feels the same way. Even when she gets called on it, she's she doesn't seem to care or have emotion. Yeah, it's it's dispassionate. It's so alien. Like, and it it's the hubris of it all. But besides scaring the shit out of Lizzie, even reminding her of a gal that scares the shit out of me, Teal Swan, let's discuss the serious, unforgivable damage Sylvia Brown caused heartbroken families for decades. As Sylvia Brown's star was rising, she got worse and worse with her predictions, yet still was considered some sort of psychic detective, making frequent predictions about child kidnappings that often turned out to be incorrect. Quote, people come to her with their problems. They are desperate. And she preys on that. She takes advantage of that. She takes their money. She makes them believe that she's a psychic. And that's reprehensible, Robert Lancaster, founder of the since-defunct site StopSylviaBrown.com, said during a 2007 episode of Anderson Cooper 360. It is evil is what it is. Evil. End quote. And here are some of Sylvia Brown's most infamous wrong predictions. Perhaps one of the most infamous being the wrong prediction involving the 2002 kidnapping of Sean Hornbeck. On a 2003 episode of the Montel Williams show, Brown said that the 11-year-old boy was kidnapped by a Hispanic-looking man with dark skin and dreadlocks, further adding that it was too late for the boy. His dead body would be found next to, quote, two jagged boulders. Hornbeck was found alive in 2007 and had been kidnapped by a white man. According to Sean's parents, police diverted their search based on Brown's predictions, while Brown offered further consultation on the kidnapping for $700 an hour. So literally, after she tells the parents that their son is dead on the Montel Williams show, she then goes out of her way and calls the parents later, saying, I have more information, but it's going to cost you $700 an hour. You scumbag. Four months after Sean disappeared, the Acres appeared on the Montel Williams show with self-proclaimed psychic Sylvia Brown. Brown told the distraught parents that Sean was dead and told them in great detail where to search for his body. The, the guy was um, dark-skinned, um, although he wasn't black, he was more uh, Hispanic-looking. Um, had uh, real long dark hair. And strange enough, Hispanic, but he had dreadlocks. Then Sylvia Brown confirmed their worst fears. Is he still with us? Thankfully, Sean Hornbeck was found last week alive and well. His alleged abductor, Michael Devlin, is not Hispanic, and he didn't have dreadlocks at the time of the abduction. But she was terribly wrong about the most important detail of all. Hearing that was one of the hardest things we ever had had to hear. The search for Sean was diverted, according to his parents, based on the misinformation Brown had given, costing the effort valuable man hours. Sean's parents, Craig and Pam Akers, also say Brown offered to help them for money. And then, probably most famously, actually, in November 2004, 
Sylvia Brown told the mother of kidnapping victim Amanda Berry, who had disappeared 19 months earlier, she's not alive, honey. Brown also claimed that Barry was in water and that she had a vision of Barry's jacket in the garbage with DNA on it. Barry's mother died two years later, believing her daughter had been killed. And Barry was found alive. In 2013, after she escaped from the home of serial kidnapper Ariel Castro, with a daughter she had born in captivity by her captor. But her poor mother had died years prior of heart failure, which Amanda watched on the news that her mother had passed away. Almost nine years ago, Amanda Berry's mom went on the Montel Williams show where resident psychic Sylvia Brown spoke of Amanda. I don't think I'll ever see her again. Yeah, in heaven, on the other side. The WMMS morning show in Cleveland reenacted the transcript. The host read the part of the psychic. I hate this when they're in water. She's not alive, honey. Not alive? Then who's this? I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm, I'm here. I'm free now. And then, in 2006, Brown claimed to have predicted the outcome of the Sago mine disaster in West Virginia after a blast trapped 13 miners underground. Coast to Coast radio show host George Nury asked Brown about the outcome of the rescue efforts based on initial reports. But all but one miner had survived. I knew they were going to be found, Brown said. Minutes later, Nori corrected the erroneous reporting, saying all but one of the miners had died. I don't think there's anybody alive, maybe one, Brown said in response. How crazy for them to report that they were alive when they weren't. And then, in 1999, Brown said that six-year-old Opal Joe Jennings, who had disappeared a month earlier, had been forced into slavery in Japan. Later that year, a local man was convicted of kidnapping and murdering her. In 2003, an autopsy of Jennings' remains found that she had died within hours of her abduction. She's not dead, but what bothers me. Now, I've never heard of this before, but for some reason she was taken and put into some kind of slavery thing and taken into Japan. Four years later, the little girl's remains were found near Fort Worth, Texas. An autopsy showed she was killed shortly after vanishing. And then Brown incorrectly predicted in 2004 that Osama bin Laden was already dead after previously predicting he would be found hiding in a cave, which also turned out to be untrue. In a 2005 Newsweek interview, Brown predicted that Michael Jackson will be convicted of child sexual abuse. He was acquitted on all counts five months later. In that same interview, Brown also predicted that, quote, we are going to be visited by aliens around 2015. And she said they'd arrive in a ship as a group. And her final wrong prediction, her own death. Hey, I don't ever want to speak ill of the dead, but my friend, this might be the comedic punishment for the pain and heartache you caused so many grieving families. So she goes on Larry King Live predicting that she would live to the age of 88. She died at age 77. That's all for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave a five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. Bye.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Seven Deadly Sinners early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondry Plus in Apple Podcasts. And before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.